Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Because he's good. And he's got good things. And he's talking. And I like to let him talk. So we're in this place of looking at all these things we've got in our heart that we want to do. You get, depending on what kind of religious influence or what kind of people you pay attention to, sometimes in Christianity and church we get this mindset where we need to change the world, right? It's like, I'm going to change the world, but my life's a wreck, but I'm going to change the world. You know, my, I can't get through a day without yelling at my kids, but I'm going to change the world. Well, really? Well, maybe if you're life changes, you're in a position to see your world changed and you have no idea. You know, it's like Kate, it's like Tracy. Tracy's sitting there, one person on her computer watching her husband gets inspired to shoot a text. Now, the entire state of Georgia is not paying for abortions. That's amazing. I mean, what if she wouldn't have done that? I don't know what would have happened. You know, is God is God's plan of salvation to get the government functioning properly? Not really. But there are people in that sphere of influence that are following him. And good things happen when they do. So just this idea of going into 2015, looking at what you want to see accomplished. I have some personal goals. I want to write a bestseller. Y'all agree with that? I don't care when it happens. That's just one of the things I want to see happen. I'm writing, I'm writing more. I'm, I'm stewarding my time and what I have and eliminating distractions to make sure that I'm, I'm writing. Now, I've got a couple of books out, but I, I, just, want to, I just want to keep doing that because I feel like that's a great way where for me personally to fulfill the commission is get that stuff out there where it's preaching the gospel. But it's not for, it, it was a couple of years ago for me about the accomplishment of having the book but now it's like, you know what, I just want God to, I want to be an open vessel to reflect God into this world. You know, it's not about me getting my miracle. It's not about me doing something. It's about Him being established in this earth as a place, as a person that we can actually engage with. I'm, I'm having two different conversations in my mind. I'm, I'm hearing God talk to some of y'all and I'm trying to decide if I want to touch on that or just keep going. I think I'll let you have your conversation with the Lord, and I'll just keep going. Amen? You know who I'm talking to. So, everybody wants to change the world, but let's start with our own lives. We live in this place now that you're in the New Covenant, especially you come to this church or hear a very positive, focused message that's focused on the finished work of the cross, and you hear over and over and over and over, you're complete in Christ. You can't do anything to keep God happier or disappoint Him because you're in Him. But yet, we have all these things that we feel like in our hearts that we want to do. So what that does is it paralyzes us in the moment because we're afraid of the future. It's like we're looking into the future and we're judging the distance between it and us and we come up with, I fall short. So what I need to do is I need to do this. Maybe one day I'll get to a place where I can do that. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like 
especially in religion, where it's like, okay, God's constantly working on me. And if you're in that kind of prophetic vein, sometimes you get those words, and those words are over and over and over. God's getting ready to do this. God's got something for you that's going to happen. God's this, and it's, like, it's, it's always pushing stuff off to the future. It's always like we're in constant preparation for what? I mean, praise God that external stuff happens. But you know what? You need to be encouraged in who you are. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you start getting words from people and it doesn't testify of Jesus, meaning the finished work of the cross in your life, don't let it create a sense of lack. I mean, someone may tell you something about the future, but if they don't reaffirm the finished work of Christ, it's either not a complete word or they just don't know. Does that make sense? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in other words, the spirit in which you prophesy should always testify of Jesus. You're complete in Him. Nothing you can add to your salvation, but we're in this paradox. We want to do these things. You ever feel like um, there's some, somebody just didn't teach you what you needed to know to succeed in life? You know, you ever, you ever feel like that everybody else is running, but there's something about you where it's like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, I don't feel like an adult. People tell me that a lot. I don't feel like an adult. Like, what are adults supposed to do? I don't get this responsibility. I don't understand. I'm in this place in my life where I look around and I judge myself to be, I haven't even started yet. You ever, I mean, you ever feel that way? The information that you're using to come to that conclusion is all carnal. It's all external judging the world and maybe even some well-meaning Christian that told you something that put something in your heart that this is now what I have to do and my worth is attached to what I do and my sense of completion in Christ is attached to what I do and it's not. Do you see, do you see that? So I I am bringing us to a point where going into this year, I want to encourage you to dream big. Encourage you to believe that all things are possible. To encourage you to believe that yes, all that stuff that I know can be a reality in my life, I'm still going to stand and believe for that. But not from the place of lack as if you're missing something and one day you'll be able to get there. It's more fruit than it is you, you growing into it. It grows out of you. So, essentially, we just want to follow God. You know, if our goals are about when they're established, God is glorified, even though it may be personally very gratifying for us, it may be really fun for us, maybe you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and you just want to do it because you love mountains. Well, submit that to the Lord and see how He can use that. You know, it's okay to have your personal desires and passions and dreams. It's just, how is God going to be glorified in this? Because then the motivation is not just about your ego and your sense of accomplishment. It's about, I want God to be glorified in everything in my life. And I'm not talking about being churchy, you know, where it's like you start talking a different language and the friends that you used to hang out with at the bar don't know you anymore. I was at this funeral one time, and it was a half-Baptist, half-Buddhist 
but the Buddhist half was Thai. They were from Thailand. And the preacher that did the first half of the funeral, the guy who passed had become a Christian and was going to his church. The guy's family requested that part of the funeral be, you know, Thai Buddhist. So the Christian Baptist guy gets up there, does his thing, and it's normal, and everybody, you know, it's what you'd expect. Then the second half is like this Thai Buddhist process. And these monks, I mean, they come in with their orange things, and they've got this rope that's about this big around, and they, they, there's like four of them, and it's draped over each one of them's shoulder, and they're holding it, and they're walking in, and they're chanting, and they're doing something. And they go up to the front, and they sit down. And then the guy that gets up is, I guess, the, their pastor, and he starts talking in a language that most of us didn't know what, what he was saying. And I even asked the guy, I went to high school with this guy's cousin, who was Thai, and I said, do you know what he's saying? He said, no, I don't even understand what he's saying. He's speaking another dialect. So they burn something, and it's weird because there's this, there's this flame that goes up, and, and then the guy that's preaching starts arguing with a guy on the front row because he's doing something wrong or something, you know. And, and then we all had to go up and take this guy's cologne and spray it on something that he had. And it was like, you know, and I'm sitting there kind of toward the end of it, I, God starts talking to me. And he said, this is what church is like for people. Amen. They come in. They're speaking a language that nobody understands. They're doing weird things that makes people uncomfortable. They're arguing with each other. And they wear weird things. <laughs> I threw that part in there. He didn't say that. And I thought, man, that is so profound. Because that, that's, that's, that's where the church is, you know. But people don't know what the heck we're talking about when we start talking about the, the seventh heaven and the angel of breakthrough revival is going to show up. I mean, if you prophesy differently in Walmart than you do in church, it may be time to get a different way. I'm not talking about being worldly. I'm not talking about watering down truth. But just let go of religion. Y'all all right with that? That's like one of those little sideways things that shot in there. But, but it just, it, we don't have to be so churchy about everything. In other words, you can have things that you want to do in this life where you get personal satisfaction. You, you love, maybe you love motorcycles. Dino's got a couple of motorcycles over there, and he just loves to get out and ride, you know, and, and wants to do some type of motorcycle stuff for ministry. It doesn't mean you just got to use everything for ministry, but just a way of life where you're open to the leading of the Lord in everything that you do so that in everything He would be glorified. Does that make sense? So our goals are not so much I'm going to do something for God or I'm going to do something for me and it's about the achievement and the accomplishment. It's like, no, really all a goal is is I'm taking the time to express what's in my heart and be intentional about being led by God because that's what we want to see happen in our lives. We want to see God use those creative and unique things within us so that other people look at our lives and say, man, that's really cool. I didn't know you could follow God like that. I didn't know God was like that. I thought we had to fit in these programs and these boxes and everybody do it the same way. You know, I, think, I think church is changing. The world has changed a lot. But the way people express God and express Christ is changing. You know, churches are not growing like they used to. 
depending on your mindset, uh, people are judging the lack of growth in certain cross-sections of the country or even the church as if the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Here comes the Antichrist. Get your neck ready because he's got his sword, you know. It's like, what? No. It, God is taking the church through a place of maturity where we're walking in a sense of individuality, but yet the common things that we share are love and compassion toward the world. There's a lot of Christians that just get sick of sitting in church because they feel like the church is not doing anything in the world. And I, I, I mean, I, you know, sometimes it's like, man, we're going to go preach again. But I know that if we don't do this part, that our hearts and minds are not renewed and we won't be in that place of seizing those opportunities when they come. I, I love this. I, I don't think that anymore. I've, I've processed through having incredible value for church because it's where we come in and gather and encourage and learn and teach and express you know, what's in our hearts and step out in our gifts and practice and all that stuff so that we're ready out in the real world, not the real world, but you know, the world out there where people need to hear God. We've been encouraged and built up in here so that out there we know who we are. And I pray that's what these kinds of messages do. So, in the middle of all of this, we worry if we're going to hear God or not. We worry if we're going to miss God. We worry if what we're doing is what God wants us to do. Maybe we're doing nothing and we're wondering what God actually does want us to do. And it's like, I'm not going to start anything for fear of failure. And I, if I do launch out, because I don't know if it's God or not, I'm just going to close him out of it and I'm just going to do my own thing. And, and we become so detached from just living life and enjoying it and having fun, but yet acknowledging God in the process and letting him lead us. And then it's like you turn around and realize, my goodness, I didn't even know that, God, you were using this in this moment, that you were leading me down this path. I, I thought I just liked standing by the river throwing rocks in it. But you've used it for this, you know, I mean, just as an example. <laughs> I, want, I want us to realize that we are way more free than we ever thought that we were. We're, you are so free. You're free from condemnation. You're free from guilt. You're free from the power of sin. You're free from the law because it's been fulfilled on your behalf. You are free from messianic judgment. You are free from being separated from God because of Christ. Now, what are you going to do to steward that freedom so that God would be glorified through you. Now, I realize that's a paradox because it's like you're free. Now, what are you going to do? You're free from works. What are you going to do? <laughs> See, we're free from dead works, but we are created unto good works. A dead work is something that you do to try to get God to give you something or you try to earn a sense of righteousness or anything that we try to do to get anything from God. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given you Christ. That's all he's got to give. And he's placed Christ in your heart. And that seed is bearing fruit. So for us, it's not about how do I get to this place where God will talk to me? Or how do I get the information that I feel like I'm lacking? When really, it's just about making a decision. And I know that's kind of a long circle around to get to this point. 
But this is where many of us are. Especially if you've been hearing this kind of message where you've come to realize Christ is enough. I cannot add to my salvation. I cannot add to my holiness. But I do want to follow God. I do want to live holy as He's made me holy. I do want to walk in this grace and reflect this righteousness that He's freely given me in Christ. So there's that paradox, and we have to be careful that we make sure that when we set out to change or do something differently, that we correct our thinking, we repent from the beginning, and reaffirm to ourselves who we are in Christ, then move forward. But as we move forward, we're worried if we're hearing God properly, aren't we? I like how Jesus said, this is John 7, 17. I'll read a couple of different versions because uh, you don't, I want you to know where you are. So these are the guys, these are the legalists, the, the lawyers, the, the, the law, the professional law teachers came to Jesus and they said, well, yeah, so how do we know you're of God? And here's his response. I love his response. John 7, 17, he says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I'm going to read it in the uh, New American Standard. Jesus' response to how do we know you're of God is this. If anyone is willing to do, if anyone is willing to do his will, he'll know of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak for myself. So basically Jesus is saying is if you actually have the intention to apply where God is leading you, you'll know that it's me. If you really do intend to do His will, you'll know that it's Him. If your decision is so founded on the truth of Christ and all the finished work that has taken place within you, and you start to step out, if your intention really is to walk with Him, you'll know if it's Him. He's not the author of confusion. He has given you a sound mind. He has given you a new heart that knows how to follow Him. So you're left with the question, man, these, so then these, you tell me these areas of confusion that I'm in are areas where I've not made a decision. Well, maybe. <laughs> I would like to say yes, but I'm sure there are some external factors. But in the, in the the big picture, by and large, you will hear God in the area that you have set your intention to follow Him. You okay with that? That's what He's saying. He's saying, if, you really, if it really was your will to do His will, you'd know that I'm from God. So how does that relate? Well, it's freedom... But it's also responsibility. It's freedom because if you are confused, you can just simply make a decision that you really are just going to trust God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what your emotions are. It doesn't matter what happens at all. If your resolve is 
rock steady on Christ and Christ in you, you'll hear him and you will follow him. But then again, it goes back to the condition of our heart. You know, when Jesus teaches on the parable of the sower, there's four different heart conditions. If you have that word deeply rooted in your heart and you have faith toward him, it'll bear fruit. It just will bear fruit in your life. What's it? Well, you define the it. Those areas where you want to follow God, those areas where you want to see God manifest in your life based on what's ours in the new covenant. So it's a sense of freedom in that when your mind is made up, there's no confusion. There's no question. Now, I'm not trying to tell you how you're going to hear God. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that you're going to hear a voice or a bird's going to fly in and land on a particular letter in front of you that says so-and-so or whatever it is, you know. Somebody's going to call you at the right time and you were just thinking about them and this and now that's your sign. And that sometimes that might happen. Sometimes it's, well, you're married to that person for 30 years. Maybe there's more of a connection than you realize. You know, we don't have to churchify everything, mysticize everything. You know, play the Buddhist Thai Hindu guy that's burning stuff in front of these people trying to convince them of God. And they're like, what? I don't, what is that? What are you, I don't even know what you're doing. I mean, I'm not trying to knock Thai Buddhists. But I'll never forget that. God spoke and he goes, this is what the church is like. So it's pressure off. You don't have to discern some external voice, you just make a decision in your heart. Am I going to trust God in this area? And will I trust that He has good plans for me, He knows what I need before I ever even ask, and that He is leading me? See, at that point, it's less intellect and more a different kind of knowledge that you're thinking with. It's a, it's a revelation knowledge. It's spiritual knowledge. And see, revelation is interesting because once you get it, you got it. Amen. Nobody can change it. Nobody can, can, you know, convince you of something else. Now, we may mess around in sin or, or start, you know, seeing a weird perspective of who God is and, and our, our heart is dulled to experiencing the power of that revelation, but you still see it. So... You know, when, when, when Jesus asks the boys, who do you say? Who do they, who's everybody saying that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Peter says, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, God has revealed that to you. Upon this rock, I will build my church. There's a few different things being said there. What he's talking about, see, a, a large cross-section of Christians think that he's talking about Peter, that Peter's the rock that the church is going to be built on. Yeah. Wrong. The rock that the church is built on is that Jesus is the Christ. And part of that, that the church is going to be built on, is how Peter heard that Jesus was the Christ. Revelation. My Father has revealed that to you. See, the way we're really supposed to live the way we're really supposed to accomplish everything that God would put in our hearts to do 
is by hearing from God and acting. But man, we've really confused how to hear God, haven't we? I mean, it's like, okay, I'm going to do it out here. This person seems to follow God pretty well, so I'm going to give them a bunch of money and maybe it'll rub off on me. Well, that didn't work. This person has it. Maybe they can pray for me and give me their capacity to hear from God and I'll get their mantle. Well, that didn't work. Okay, well, I heard so-and-so died and he could hear God really well. I'm going to go to his funeral and maybe I'll get his mantle. I mean, you think I'm being silly. This stuff happens. We, everything but steward your own mind, heart, thoughts, and emotions to where it's prepared and in alignment with the truth of what God has said about you and then live from that. Anything but that. But you see, because I don't like myself very much. I don't think I'm going to hear God. My mom always told me that I wasn't any good. I probably won't be able to hear God for myself. I want to go sit down there and let Clint teach me what I'm supposed to believe. Or whoever. I tell you what, the church has done Christians a major disservice. We've created a wedge between us and God. You don't need me. You don't need anybody when it comes to God. But are you confident in His love for you to the degree that between you and Him, it's so clear, it's so clean and, 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 and established that you don't even question if you're being led by Him or not? Now, you may have to de-religify what you think it looks like to hear God. You know what I'm saying? Because we've been told, okay, this is how you hear God. You hear God. You just may not have tuned the language that you and, that he, you and Him speak together. But you will if you're confident in His love for you and you're looking to the completeness of Christ in your own heart. You may, never, you may never define what that language is for you. You may just get to the end of your life and look back and realize, wow, all these things happened around me. I didn't think I heard God, but look at that, look at that, look at that. It's just so much easier than we think because of the kind of creatures that we are now. Amen. You know, there's Michelangelo was a master sculptor, right? And, and artist and lots of different things he was into. He was interviewed about the statue David. You familiar with David, one of his works of art? And you guys probably tell this story better than I can. But So they asked him, how, how do you do this? How, do you, how, how is such perfection, such exquisite detail and perfection crafted from a block of marble? And his response was something like this. He said, I see David. I saw David already in that block of marble. And all I did was take away the things that didn't need to be there. See, God sees you in this world and he sees a perfect image in that world because Christ is in you. He sees that you have been made holy and redeemed and cleansed and sanctified and made righteous. God looks at you and he sees all this junk on you, but who you really are at the core is this perfect, exquisite being that he has made 
through His blood. And so we're in this process of Him chipping off the externals. We're in transformation. You're already perfect. You're, you are already everything that you will ever be before God. But we got all this junk on the outside. And that's what we're doing. We're letting Him chip that stuff away. We're letting Him remove those words from our past. We're letting Him remove the religious thoughts that convince us that because we failed, we're not righteous anymore. That if we missed it, we're not as spiritual as we should be. No, that's just something that you got stuck on you. <laughs> Let it go. Let the master chip it off. See, we, we have religion has this perspective that God's the potter and it's this clump and he's got to build it up into something. Now, I, I say we go with Michelangelo's perspective. It's perfect. Now, he's just going to take away what's hindering this thing from... Because people just look at it. That's what you do with David. You just look at it. It's like, man, and you're inspired. Just that one statue has inspired so many artists. That's what we are. We just stand. Hey, look at me. Look what Jesus did. Now, there's action involved with that, you know. You have to see yourself that way because it's, it's true. You know, it frees us up so much. Where it's, oh, man, I could get to the end of my life and never have done one thing for God. I may have less reward or whatever that is, but between me and God, everything's cool. But when you live that way, man, so much more happens. You're so more open to letting Him live through you and lead you because you know it's not about you. When it's about you, we freeze. We're that, we're that servant that buried our talent in the ground and covered it up. But when it's not about us, it's like, man, it's not my responsibility. What happens in this world, I don't, I, it's not my job to change you. It's not my job to change ISIS. It's not my job to change Africa. See, because when we think it's our job to change this world, then we start looking for the right tools to make the change. So it's like, okay, let's use government. Let's use this. Let's use that. No. Our job is as a... Think, just think about this. This is idealistic, I realize, but it's possible. What if every believer on the planet actually came to believe that they were that perfect statue and that they were in a relationship where God was just shining us up on the outside to reflect what's already really in us. And that's what the world saw of Christianity. They didn't see the finger. One or the other. <laughs> they didn't see the condemnation, the guilt, the, the look in our face of disapproval. You know, what if they saw, what if they looked at us and it's like, man, I just see Jesus. You see Jesus and sinners were comfortable with him. I mean, he would tell them, look, you're free, now quit sinning or it's going to get worse for you. He didn't go light on sin. This message is not about permissiveness. It's about reflecting who we really are in this planet. His ambassadors, his children, showing the world the truth. So the goal setting thing comes down to this. I'm just going to make a decision that I, that's what I want to believe about myself. I want to see in my life those things that I desire, 
those things that God wants in my life, and I'm just going to trust that they're going to come together and be the same thing. I don't have to beat myself up and get guilty because I like to work on cars or because I do something that nobody sees. You don't know what God's doing. But as you open, He'll lead you and He'll guide you in this process. So we are transformed. We're in this process of transformation by the renewing of our minds so that we'll prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformation is it's when what is on the inside grows into its full potential. Transformation, the, butter, the, the caterpillar already has the wings within it. It just goes into a state of rest. Then those wings come out. That's what we're in, transformation. You're not going to get more holy. You're not going to get more righteous. You don't get more spiritual. It's just that all that stuff that's true of you then starts to affect your soul and your mind and reflects itself into this world. I mean, what good is the Spirit of God that He's placed within us if we, if we can't expect the fruit? I mean, I've heard some people that teach this stuff, and it's like all the benefits are spiritual. Good luck until you die. I mean, really, there's one really popular. I love the guy. I love his books. Really, I mean, teaches grace better than most. Very, very articulate, very, very clear, very, I've learned from the guy. But for him, all the benefits of the cross are spiritual. Nothing physical. You can't expect healing. You can't expect finances. You know, for him, it's like God's sovereign and you just have to trust that what you have in your life is what he wants for you. And if he wants it better, he'll do it for you. <laughs> You're just along for the journey. I don't know, I have a problem with that. So as we go into this new year, and as we do take the time to be intentional, what is it going to take for you to get to this place emotionally and mentally and physically to where you are free to be led by God? You know, we've already taken care of how God sees it. Now, what are you going to do? What's it going to take for you to let go of those emotions that rob you from following God? What's it going to take for you to be out of debt to the degree that in every occasion you can be generous? What's it going to take for you to quit limiting and hindering yourself so that God has full reign in your life. It's not about change. It's not about you doing better. It's about you stewarding these resources that you have, including your will, your emotions, your thoughts, what's in your hands. What are you going to do with those things? How are you going to properly steward those things so that they are in the master's hands and not your grip? For you, do you need to write your goals down? Do you need to not do anything and just meditate on the truth and persuade your heart to the degree that the emotions line up with the truth? Is it for you? Is it take a class? Is it for you? Ask somebody, hey, you know, I really want to do something about my health, but I don't know what to do. I need some help. Can you help me? Whatever it is, it's not about you doing better. It's not about you changing. It's about you stewarding what you have in your hands so that you're free, so that God has 
something to use in this earth. Does that make sense? It's not about you changing. It's about you just honoring God and opening up to Him. Yes, God, I'll, I, will, I will continue in this process of transformation. That's all I want. All I want is what you would lead me to do. Jesus said that. You know, I don't say what I want to say. I say what the Spirit of God tells me to say. Even at the end of his life, he got down and he said, Yeah, man, Jesus, Father, I, I don't, I'm not feeling this cross thing. I don't know that I really, in this moment, am ready to be cut off from you and pass through the grave. I don't, I don't know about fighting this death thing. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That's the capacity that we have to stay committed to the working of God in our lives. We have His faith working inside of us. And sometimes we just have to ask for help. God, I don't know help. And then act when the help comes. Because a lot of times the help will come and, well, I don't, I don't like that guy. I don't want the help from that one. Maybe the help comes and it's like, well, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Well, you've just ended the process before it ever even started. God, help. Go here. Oh, wait. I don't want to do that. Let's do it this way, God. He's like, Pfft. It goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, just acting on those moments of inspiration. Steward the inspiration that you have. Even if you are inspired in one little area, you do not see the end of it yet, act on it because those things add up. They build up. And the next, that's how you get to the process. That's how you get down the path and you look back and it's like, I didn't do that. But look what happened. He's very smart. He knows how to lead you. Do you trust that he's leading you? Father, we do. We trust you. We trust that you're leading us. We submit our hearts, our souls, our thoughts, our emotions to you. That the spirit of revelation, wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ is what we are being led by. God, that we're not trying to change to impress you. We're not trying to become something through performance to be what you need us to be. We are allowing you to continue to remove those bondages, those chains, those lies, those things that we've allowed to stay on us off so that all that's left is what you see. Father, I submit myself to that process. Thank you for your grace to help me down this journey. I trust you. Just tell him that you trust him. What would you say to him? What, what kind of prayer would you say to him? Knowing that you're fully accepted, but you know there's some things that need to change in your life. What would you say to him? You can say it out loud. You can write it down. You can tell somebody else. You don't have to say anything. Say it in your heart. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Jesus, you are with us. You've given us your spirit. You're affirming to us that we're your children. You have good plans for us. Thank you for your leading. Amen.